It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hey everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, I appreciate you being with me today, and whenever, however, and whatever you're using to listen in on this week's podcast, I'm glad you've joined me, and thank you very much. So, let me just hit a couple quick housekeeping items first before we go into uh, what I want to talk to you about this week. Uh, number one, I'm recording this episode from uh, the home office. So as many of you know that have been with me now for a while, uh, we have a couple of dogs, Bosworth and Blue, and uh, it doesn't matter. You can have the most soundproof room in the world. Uh, it, it doesn't make a difference. When it comes to FedEx person, UPS, uh, grandma walking by the house, you know, they just have to, they're just compelled to bark at pretty much most anything that goes by the house. So from time to time, you may hear the guys in the background and, and some would argue that they pretty much run the house. Well, maybe. Uh, but you may hear them in the background from time to time. So I want to let you know that. Uh, number two, we are uh, doing fine right now. And, and what am I talking about? Well, as I'm recording this, we are about two weeks removed from one of the worst storms uh, that we have seen here in the heartland since, well, since I've been alive, quite frankly. Uh, we had 45 plus minutes of winds in excess of 100 miles per hour in some locations in and around, especially Cedar Rapids, where most of our holdings are located. We had winds in the 130 to 140 mile per hour range. And so uh, I want to thank those of you that have reached out. Uh, I want to thank those of you that have thought of us here and thought of me and my family and message just to see how things were going. And uh, you know who you are. And I also want to thank um, those people that put in time, effort, and energy and volunteering in helping, I'll just call it cleanup, uh, which is still ongoing and will be ongoing for months. So thank you very much, and we're doing fine. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of work ahead of us, uh, but we are doing fine. Thank you again. And so let's jump into this week's podcast where I want to talk about making a deal and really wanting to make a deal bad enough that you'll make a deal. Wanting to do a deal bad enough and you'll do a deal. And when I talk about a deal, uh, of course, I'm talking specifically about real estate and I'm talking specifically about investing in either actively or passively, by the way. Um, in apartment communities, but this really is applicable to most any 
deal thing, you know, anything you can put under the umbrella of a deal, and whether it's, you know, buying a car, um, you know, buying, uh, I mean, I could, I could, the list is long and on, on the amount of quote deals that you probably make on a daily basis. And I had two things happen, two potential properties that, uh, I and my investment partners could have purchased over the last month. And I want to detail both of these transactions with you. I'm not going to go into the weeds and talk about, you know, super boring specifics. But I do want to talk to you about things to, and really the thing at the end of the day, to keep in mind as you're doing deals. I mean, that's just the term I'll use during this podcast is doing deals. Um making an investment, uh, purchasing something, selling something. Uh, Because at the end of the day, if you want to do it bad enough, you'll do it. But again, I'm specifically talking about buying and investing. And I'm specifically talking about two transactions that, uh, two properties that came up uh, over the last month that really epitomize what I'm about to tell you. And let me give you, let me just kind of lay the foundation first and just put it to you this way. Um, the majority of people that I talk to and work with that would term that would consider themselves investors never really end up doing anything. Okay. So um, well over 80%. And if you've read my books, any of my books, I talk about this. Uh, some of my podcasts and videos, I talk about this, but well over 80% of those people that would um, consider themselves investors never end up doing anything. Um, and then out of the other 20%, uh, there's a small amount of those 20% that actually end up doing what I call pulling the trigger and investing either actively or passively in one or more apartment communities. Now, this is not, I'm not, um, necessarily criticizing and I'm not going down that road. Uh, I've said a lot about that in in other podcasts, videos, and, and, and other things. But I want to set the foundation with you with that because I admire those people that finally decide to pull the trigger at the end of the day um, when it comes to investing, really when it comes to anything, and that's another subject to another time, I admire those people that actually go through the actions and do what they say they'll do versus just saying that they're going to do it. There's a lot of people that talk. There's a lot of people that say what they're going to do, that talk about what they think is going to happen. But, the, you know, again, it's the 80%, 20% thing where people, you know, those that actually end up doing it. So those people that actually end up pulling the trigger get my admiration day in, day out, no questions asked. But something you want to be very careful of in your quest to pull the trigger. And that is to not talk yourself into making a bad deal. Not talk yourself into doing the deal for the sake of doing the deal. What do you mean, Darren? Why would anybody do that? Many people do. I have done it in the past. Okay? It's easy to do. 
And there are those of you that are listening right now, shaking your head or in your mind's eye, agreeing with, in your mind or in your mind's eye, you're shaking your head or you're agreeing with what I just said. It's very easy to just make a deal, especially when you've worked very long, very hard. You've done a lot of time, effort, and energy into finding, let's just say, an apartment community to invest in. Let's just use that. You finally have found a good candidate. So it's easy to buy it for the sake of buying it. Um, and again, if you want to do a deal bad enough, you will. And 99.9% .9 of those turn into deals then later you wish you did not do. I'm going to say that again. If you want to make a deal bad enough and you do whatever you need to do to just make the deal just for the simple fact of making the deal happen, making the investment happen, getting it done, 99.9% .9 of the time you will regret pulling the trigger on that. Even though I spend a hell of a lot of time talking about just Pull the damn trigger, right? So let's talk about that. And I want to use two specific examples for you. Um, the first example is an apartment community that was presented to me uh, about 45 days ago. 102 units. And by the way, this apartment community is, I, I, I'll just leave a lot of the fluff out, would be an apartment community I would want to own in a hot second and I would recommend you own with me. Or even, or if that's not the case, I'd recommend you buy it, okay? But this apartment community had been um, neglected probably for the last going on 10 years. So what that means is there's a lot of time, effort, and energy and work needed in order to get this property from where it is now to where it needs to be. Okay. So, so far, what I've told you is actually a recipe for something pretty damn special. You've got an apartment community in a great location, but it's been mismanaged. Okay. It's been mismanaged. So at the end of the day, you really want to, uh, at the end of the day, you do the math and you do what you need to do to really come to grips with how much is this property worth now and how much after we work all of our magic on the property and get it from where it is now to where it needs to be, how much is it worth later? And so based on those numbers, you pretty much determine how much you're willing to pay for it now. Okay. And so uh, if I think this property is going to be worth $60,000 a unit, let's just say, I'm going to use that number. Once we're done getting it from where it is now to where it realistically can be, and that would be the value, I'm only going to probably pay forty dollars to $45,000 a unit for it because I know there's time, effort, energy, and money I'm going to need to put into that property, and I want to walk out of there making money. I don't want to walk out of there a year, 18 months, two years from now, breaking even. Okay? Have I set the stage for you? Pretty good. I hope so. So this property is presented to me at $45,000 a unit, which, again, based on everything that I've just told you, that's probably the top price one should pay for this property. 
Now, before I go any further, I know some of you that own apartment communities, based on where you own them, you may be thinking that sounds like a great deal. That sounds like a terrible deal. It's all relative. So let's just kind of keep that in mind. It's all relative. But this is a $45,000 a unit deal. You go into this and if you buy it for $45,000 a unit, you put the money you need to in it, the time, effort, and energy, 18 months from now, it's probably worth $60,000 a unit. You put a fair amount of money in your pocket as a result, and you're going to have a nice um, appreciating asset after that. So it's presented to me at $45,000 a unit. I make an immediate offer on the property at that price. Um, then the uh, real estate broker comes back to me and says, oh, no, 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 no. Um, even though that is the asking price, we think that there are going to be many people that will pay much more for it. So let me just kind of push the pause button here for a second. They have an asking price on this of $45,000 a unit. I submit an offer for the asking price. Ordinarily, it would be accepted and we'd head to a closing. But no, the comeback here is... Oh, well, thanks, but we think it'll get more than that. We think if we continue to expose it to other buyers for the next couple of weeks, it will get more than that. So you can either do one of two things. Number one, raise your offer. Offer more than the asking price right now. Or wait until two weeks go by and we'll get back to you and let you know. So let me tell you what most people would do at this point. They would raise their offer. Why? Because a competitive environment has just been created. So now, instead of buying the property for the financial reasons and using your financial processes to figure out how much to pay, and the most you'll pay, you push all that aside and now you're in a competition to buy it because other people may pay more for it. Because you start thinking, what are they seeing that I don't see? Um, where, where's the value that they're seeing that I'm not seeing? Maybe I'm not seeing the value that, that, that they're seeing, etc. Okay? Um, so I declined. I said, hey, this is it. This is my top deal. This is as much as I'm going to pay and at the end of the day. So I'm not paying more than asking price just because you think others will pay more than what I would pay. Listen to what I just said. I'm not going to pay more than what I think I should pay just because others are willing to pay more. Please remember what I just said there. Okay? So... Two weeks go by, and I pretty much have kind of written this thing off. And I get a call from the broker basically telling me that, yeah, we've gotten quite a few offers in at much higher than the asking price. Do you want to put your offers in too? And we'll have a little contest between you and these other people to see who's going to pay more. Now, that's not what they said. They call it, we're going to do a best and final. So we've got five offers that are way above asking price. Um, do you want to put your offer into to see if you can get it and compete with these other people? This is the dumbest way to buy real estate, folks. 
And it gets back to what I just said in the foundation I laid. If you want to make a deal bad enough, you'll make a deal. This is the dumbest, absolute worst way to buy real estate is to go through this process because you're throwing your criteria out the window and replacing it with, I'm just going to buy it because everybody else thinks it's a good deal. Worst thing you could do. Because here's what will happen. You'll end up beating everybody, paying a shit ton more than what you should for this thing, and then wishing you didn't own it two years from now. Okay? If you want to make a deal bad enough, you'll make the deal. I made a pass. I said no. And they ended up selling the property for much, much more than I would have been willing to pay. Uh, as a side note, all of the people that talk about buying value-added apartment communities, um, the value add in these scenarios, the one I just mentioned to you, is gone. There is no value add, which is another podcast I'm going to have for another time here. Maybe even my next podcast. But anyway, so that's transaction number one. Transaction number two. One that I absolutely fell in love with. 328 units in my own backyard here in Cedar Rapids. And it's on the side of Cedar Rapids, the southwest side of Cedar Rapids, where most of our apartment communities are at, where most of our units are. Perfect. Management, maintenance, I mean, it's, in, it's within our, which where most of our other stuff is at. Oh, great location. This is perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, so I go through the process of doing the due diligence on this. And I am just excited. Super, super excited. And I come up with a price that we're going to be paying for this property for roughly $18 million, $18 million for 328 units. Um, and by the way, this is the very, very, very most that based on my criteria, based on everything I've just went over with you so far, that's the most really, I think anybody should be paying for this property, okay? To be able to lock in the kinds of returns and benefits that you want, okay? So I offer 18 million for this property, okay? And I'm kind of, I'm out there and I'm thinking, oh man, I, you know, I'm really at the top, top, top end of my criteria. And again, what I would consider should be the top end of most people's criteria, but you know, everybody's got their own way of looking at projects, especially apartment communities. So here's what happens. I submit that feeling pretty good. I get an email back from the broker again. Here's what the broker said. Not again, but here, this is a new broker. Here's what the broker says. Darren, ba Darren, thank you for the offer. We are right now only looking at letters of intent of $20 million or more. If you have an interest in competing in the, in the ownership, for the ownership of this property, if you want to submit another offer over $20 million, we will submit it to the seller for consideration. 
the next sentence reads something like this. Once we receive that offer of over $20 million, then we'll do a best and final among the final three to five candidates to see who will pay more for the property. And oh, by the way, here's like the eight reasons you should be really happy in overpaying for the property. Now, that's not what the email said, but that's pretty much what it was. Here's the eight things to keep in mind and all of the magic things you can do once you take over to make it well worth over $20 million. It was all complete bullshit, by the way. It's just sales stuff, okay? But at the end of the day, again, I knew I had a choice to make. And remember, I told you I fell in love with this property. And I told you all of the reasons, I mean, it's in the right location. It's close to all of our other stuff. There's not a lot of large communities like this that come up in and around Cedar Rapids or Heartland in the eastern Iowa, okay? The last time a 300-plus unit apartment community came up in eastern Iowa was probably 15 years ago. 300-plus units. That's how many of them there are out there, which tells you there's hardly any. So I had a hell of a, I had a lot of reasons to buy this thing. I had a lot of reasons to call my partners, okay? Especially my priority investors, my priority partners, and say, hey, we're buying this and we're just, we're just freaking going for it. I had a lot of reasons. And I didn't do it. Why? Because if you want to make a deal bad enough, you'll make a deal. Um, with this property that probably will sell at the end of the day, it's probably already sold for probably 22 to $23 million. Um, that is almost 40% higher, almost 40% higher than what we have recently paid for on a per unit basis on for two 100 plus unit communities over the last year and a half. Now, let me ask you, why in the hell would I do that? The answer is I won't. I could have, I could have. And there's, you know, probably five or six uh, investment companies that decided that they were going to. And I guarantee every single one of them, in order just to buy the damn thing, threw out whatever criteria they had, whatever their processes are that's really kind of been their bread and butter go-to over the years just to buy it. Well, I've made a deal bad enough because I wanted to make the deal. And that is not the way to buy. That is not the way to invest. That is not the way to really do much in the way of any kind of deal making. That's not deal making. That's just winning a bidding contest. Okay? Winning a bidding contest. So, you've already got some pretty good lessons out of what I've told you so far. Okay? And it comes back to, and I know I've said it a lot, if you want to make a deal bad enough, you will. And 99% of the time, those times that you do, you'll wish you didn't own it. So let's just look at this property just for a second. The one I just talked to you about. So what will happen with the current, with the new owner uh, are really two things, really three things, at least out of the blocks. Number one, their property taxes will basically double. Okay. They'll, they'll double. Um, number two, their insurance will go up probably at least 20 to 
And number three, they will find skeletons in the closet and have more to deal with in time, effort, energy, and capital necessary than what they thought. Uh, let me ask you, is that a way to profitably purchase an apartment community? No. But if you want to make a deal bad enough, you will. You will. Now, now I want you to understand something. I'm not talking about buying at a deep discount here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about buying it at a price that may be at market or maybe a little bit less based on your criteria and having a great asset that you'll own for a number of years. I'm not saying you've got to buy it 30% under market, 40% under market, 20% under market. I'm not trying to steal a property here. I'm not trying to uh, operate on some deep discount. I'm just trying to buy a piece of property for the right price. Again, do you want to make a deal bad enough? You will. So, whether you're an active or a passive investor, um, especially now during times where interest rates are low, demand for apartments is high, not only from tenants, but also from investors, you want to make sure you understand a couple of things. Number one, not every apartment community is a great deal, just because it's an apartment community. Oh, I'm going to own apartments. More well, apartments are a great deal. Well, not all of them. So that's number one. Number two, whether you're active or passive, be asking yourself, based on what you're seeing with criteria, based on what you're seeing about what the numbers are right now and where they realistically will be in the future and how you and or whomever is you're working with that's buying the property, are they operating on those numbers and on that criteria or are they just kind of throwing that aside and just buying the property just for the sake of buying the property. What do you think? You need to be asking yourself that question. Okay, You need to be asking those that are telling you what a great deal this is that question. Because you can't ask the sales guys. You can't ask the brokers. Because they'll give you eight reasons why this will be such a great deal five years from now. No matter if you're overpaying for it. Okay, do your own work and due diligence in coming up with these answers. So at the end of the day, you're not making a deal just to make a deal. That's not the way to buy. That's not the way to invest, not only really in apartment communities, but really in anything. It's not the right way to do it. Okay, so. I hope what I've covered on this week's podcast will make you think about how you're going to approach your next investment in terms of apartment community that you may be owning, whether you're active or passive, by the way, um, or really any other investment. But I'm really talking mainly about apartment communities and really having those kinds of questions that need to be answered by either you, if you're active and you're honest with yourself, or you're asking those who are pulling the strings that you're involved with. That you're involved with. Okay? All right. So I'm glad you joined me today. Uh, I, As always, I look forward to your questions, your comments. I uh, would love to hear from you. 
Um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you want to leave comments or want to send me an email or just, uh, you know, let me know. I I'd be happy to uh, let me know your thoughts. I'd be happy to um, chat with you and discuss this podcast with you. So have a great day. Have a great week or weekend whenever you've joined me and we will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.